Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Thank you, Josh, and worship team this morning leading us in worship. Hey, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. If you're joining us at uh, campus online, thank you for uh, being there. Thank you for tuning in today. So glad you're here, part of the service that way. Well, Matthew chapter 7. I have rarely in my ministry done a 10-part sermon series, but I've, I've enjoyed this sermon series out of Matthew 6 and 7 called FAQ answers your questions about the Christian life. So we've gone through that and I've had 10 sermons on how to, how not to be self-righteous, how to develop a prayer life, how to pray, how to give, how to not worry, get what you want, all all sorts of things. Well, today we're going to conclude it. Last week, how to go to heaven. Today we're going to conclude it with really what I think Jesus was using to sum up so much of what he's been saying in the Sermon on the Mount. And so I want to end with Matthew chapter 7 and preach on this. How to build a great life. How to build a great life. So let me get there. Hold your place. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. We'll read together in just a moment. Well, if you've been in on the, um, I, I don't know what to call it, home craziness in America since COVID. My, y- y'all know my wife is the realtor, right? She's a really, really good realtor. And if I talk about homes, I should ask her, but I didn't. Uh, I use Google, right? So let me, just, let me just use Google and talk about home crazy. For, for example, here's what we know about home prices. Now, that, now, it just depends on whether you're on the selling end or the buying end of all this, right? But from 1976 all the way over here to up to a few months ago, this is the trajectory of home prices. And here, here's what you'll see. A little up and down, nice little wave. It's kind of going up. It's kind of, oh, down and now it's going back up. Uh-oh. And then, then this happened. This is COVID right here, which means the price of homes have gone through the roof. And that's either good or bad, depending on what side of the spectrum you're on, right? If I'm selling or buying, it all depends. And then I got to think it. You know, this affects all of us. But then there's just those people who don't care what the price of a house has. So I, I, did, I, did me, I did me a little Google research, and here's what I discovered. I, let, can I say, share with you this morning the five most expensive houses ever sold in America? Just for the fun of it. Can we do it? The fifth most expensive house ever sold in America is called the Chartwell Estate in Bel Air, California. The founder of Univision is the one who... Um, uh, 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 he died when he was 86 years old. His heir sold the property. You'll know some of these, right? Rupert Murdoch's son, Lachlan Murdoch, Fox News, all that, sold it for $150 million. The estate was built in 1930 in Beverly Hill. Oh, oh, get this. Anybody remember the show Beverly Hillbillies? This is the house. This is the house they show in the opening credits. It was a hundred, as it was recently sold, a hundred and fifty million dollar mansion. And here's what I discovered. The taxes on this house per year are one point five million dollars. That's the fifth. We're going higher. 
The fourth most expensive house ever sold is the Jack Werner Estate in Beverly Hills. Jeff Bezos, who owned, started Amazon, bought it for $165 million in 2020. And on the same day, he bought 120 acres around it for another $90 million, and he's yet to do anything with it. Number three, the third most expensive house is the Gemini Estate in Florida. Now, let, let me go back. Some of you younger whippersnappers won't remember this name. Anybody remember when you, first, when you first used to get on a computer, the internet? Anybody remember a Netscape browser? Netscape, anybody remember Netscape? That dude made money with that. So much so, the guy who invented Netscape, Jim Clark, bought this house for $94 million in 2021 it is on the ocean, has a three-hole PGA golf course, and a 60,000-square-foot mansion. He owned it for 460 days and then recently sold it for $175 million. The second most expensive house in the United States is called the Seven Acre Malibu Estate. A venture capitalist bought it paid $177 million for it, and the taxes on it per year are $1.8 million. You ready for the most expensive house ever sold in America? Get ready. It's beautiful, lush, green. Get ready. There it is. It's 220 Central Park South in Manhattan. Ken Griffin, a hedge fund manager, purchased the top floor, top four floors of an unfinished New York City building, and he paid $238 million for four floors of emptiness. And he's planning on sinking millions more into the home. I got down this trail because I'd seen this article. That's the most expensive home in America, but somebody was trying to make the most expensive home in America. A guy by the name of Niall Naomi constructed a property in Los Angeles called The One. This is some pictures of The One. He wanted to make it the most expensive house ever sold. His asking price was going to be around the $500 million mark. Four acres. The home is 105,000 square feet. 21 bedrooms, because of course, who doesn't need 21 bedrooms? And 49 bathrooms. It has its own private nightclub, a full service beauty salon, a wellness spa, a gym, a juice bar, a bowling alley, a Dolby digital theater, a cigar lounge, a 64 foot indoor pool, indoor pool, an infinity pool outside, a putting green, a running track, and a 30-car garage. The one. $500 million. The problem is things didn't turn out so well. With creditors bearing down on Nile and him facing bankruptcy, he just put the house up for auction for a paltry $295 million. Even though there was 12 months of construction left to go 
on the house. And he sold it for $126 million. And now he's filing bankruptcy. He meant for it to be a grand house. It turned into a disaster. Why? The home is filled with mold. There are cracks in the foundation. The expensive marble that was imported is not treated properly and is now staining and cracking throughout the home. The stairs are broken so they can't be used. It's not in compliance with permits, building codes, and approved architectural plans. They are thinking it may, be, it may have to be torn down. In other words, what was supposed to be a grand construction has turned out to be an absolute mess and disaster. What, what was supposed to be a $500 million home, I mean, you got a lot of moxie if you're calling it the one, right? The one. If you name your home, you got issues anyway. But if you call it the one, you know, you got a lot of moxie to call your house the one. You know, like this is going to be the home to end all homes. And the home that he thought was going to be the one has turned out to be an absolute mess and disaster and may very well have to be torn down. But now hold on, before we go home and all of us make fun of Niall Naomi, listen, I read the story. And my life didn't, my mind didn't go to $500 million homes. My mind went to our lives. Right? Because sometimes our lives resemble his drama just a little bit. You say, what do you mean, preacher? You, you have, I have, we have had big plans for our home, for our life, right? The fact is, you had a million dollar plan for your life. Your life was going to be perfect. You, you had a million dollar plan for your job, for your spouse, for your family, for your kids, for your emotional happiness, for your physical health, for your financial wealth. I mean, when we're all making plans, we have a million dollar plan in mind. But when you got your life built, you're listening to me today and you built your house, but there may be some mold running through your house. Not, not gold, but mold running through your house. And the life that you built has cracks in it. The life you built has stains in it. You're not built to code. What do you mean by code? You're not built to the own code that you had for your life. And you could be here this morning facing emotional or spiritual bankruptcy yourself. You say, preacher, what happened? If I look back, 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 5 years ago and 40 years ago, I had all these great plans for my life. I had a million dollar blueprint in my life for how my life was going to turn out. What happened to my life? I, I can't tell you for you, but I can tell you what most likely happened is that you didn't build your life on the right foundation. It's what we all do wrong. You, me, all of us are in the same boat. We, we build this, we build the one in our minds, but we fail to build it on the right foundation. And what happened is we used the wrong material, we built it the wrong way, and we did it. We, we did it 
because we think we know better than God. We did it because we, we thought we could do better than God. We did it because we thought our way works better than God's way. And we wind up with a faulty house that's crumbling from its foundation. Jesus told us that was going to happen. So here's what Jesus does to conclude uh, Matthew chapter 7. His greatest sermon ever preached. Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what Jesus does. He says, now listen to me. There are two ways to build your life. One will be steady. One will not. One will survive. One will not. And so he said, here's how you do it. So listen, would you listen with me this morning to the Word of God? Would you hear with me to the Word of God? Because more than anything, I want to build my life this way. I want the building material of my life. I want the foundation of my life to be what Jesus laid out in Matthew 7 because I, I'd like to build a great life just like you would. So how, how do we do it? Well, would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? And if you're at home, it'll be on the screen. If you're in the room, don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Look, look at, begin at verse uh, 24. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and it collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority, not like the scribes. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, can, can I just walk us through this passage a little bit? Can I, can, can I walk us through it and uh, just, just show you what Jesus said? Let's run over it real quickly and let me make four observations about how to build a great life. We start off in verse number 24, a, a fairly famous passage of scripture and we start off with someone who is being wise when it comes to building their lives and here's what Jesus said about them that they're going to build their house on the rock what does he mean by build your house on the rock Jesus means somebody that is going to build a successful life somebody that's going to build a wise life somebody that's going to build a stable life somebody that's going to build get this a joyful life there were some activities that had to take place in order for you to build that happy, joyful, stable, successful life. Well, what are those activities? What are the activities that have to happen in order for me to build a joyful life, a great life? Well, here's what they are. Number one, he said this, you've got to hear these words of mine in verse 24. Hear these words of mine. What does he mean by that? He means that you have to saturate yourself with the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The Bible is not optional for building a great life. The Bible is not optional for building a joyful life. For, uh, so what does that mean? That means, hear me, that means you need as much of the Word of God as you can take in. As much of the Word of God as you can take in. You know what that means? You, you, you need to grab every sermon you can listen to. You need to grab every Sunday school class you can listen to. You need to grab every, uh, every chance to read your Bible 
every chance to listen to your Bible as you're riding down the road. Listen, you need to hear the word and teaching of Jesus. That's why I always say, look, I'm all for people taking vacation, getting time off. I love it myself too. But listen, you get right back in the house of the Lord because you never know what sermon is going to be a life-changing sermon for you. You never know what verse is going to be a life-changing verse for you. Jesus said, if you want to build your house, you've got to build it on these words of mine. And it reminds us of Psalm 119, right? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. We all need that lamp on our feet. We all need that light on our path. And I'll tell you what this will do. This word will keep me from being dominated by my opinions, which are normally wrong. Your word, your words. Well, that's the first thing. Right? You've got to hear these words of mine. But the second thing he said, you've got to hear these words of mine. But number two, he says, and acts on them. Do you know it's not just enough to hear the Bible? You also have to do what the Bible says. Do you know the difference between success and failure is action? I just said something you probably should have written down. The difference between success and failure is action. And our churches are filled with people who know what to do up here, yet they don't do it. There's a disconnect between that and what they actually do in their day-to-day lives. So that's in verse 24. And then then verse 25, he said, here's what happened. Uh, The storms came and beat upon the house. Uh, Can I say? Just like it's going to happen to your life. This is not a promise to rescue from the storm, but to rescue you in the storm then we go to verse 26 and again we find in verse 26 the opposite side of the coin here here's how jesus described in verse 26 he said uh, these are those who built their house on a sand now you you may not be an architect you may not be a contractor a house builder or whatever but all of us know because i'm none of those things all of us know that building a house on sand is not a great idea right? You can build it, uh, if we use the vernacular in our day, we might say something like build it on a solid foundation or build it with no foundation. And Jesus is talking about building a house with no foundation of all. Well, how do you build a house on the sand? How do you build a house um, on, um, uh, on, without a foundation? Well, he said two activities have to take place. Number one, now notice this, hear these words of mine. Boy, this is interesting to me. The person who is not building a great life still heard the word of God, still sat in church, still listened to the Sunday school teacher, listened to the preacher, maybe even read their Bible a little bit. You say, well, preacher, what's the difference between a great life and a not great life then? Well, number two, doesn't act on them. Doesn't act on them. Here's the difference between a great life and a not great life. They heard the word of God and did nothing about it. They knew what they should be doing but decided not to do it. Sometimes instead of following the word, you had the word follow you. I'll just, I'll make it up as I go. I'll I'll make the Bible fit the lifestyle I want to live. So they decided they knew better than the word of God. You decided that your way was better than God's way. Maybe you decided that you didn't want to put the work into it, that you wanted to follow the culture instead. And here's what we learned, that the same 
exact storms came their way. But their life was unstable and it collapsed. And, and Jesus said this, it's, it's a great crash. It's a great crash. One, a picture of success. One, a picture of a crumbling life. Now, I want to tell you, we all live in that space somewhere, don't we? We all live in that space that when we're, we're building our lives based on the word of God, we can feel the power of God in our lives. We can feel the favor of God in our lives. We can feel the work of God happening in our lives. And then the moment we stray away from the Lord, you, you can feel the foundation start to crumble. So how, how do we do that? How do we build a great life? Because all of us in the room, all of us listening, we all want a great life. Four things I tell you about building a great life. Jesus said, number one, you are building your life you are building now i'm gonna tell you this is the hardest point to hear can i say this this is hard for me to hear this is a hard for me to deal with because the first here's the first thing you have to come to terms with jesus put your life in your hands you are building your life you are building the life you have. See, that's a departure from our normal thought process. Our normal thought process is this, that life is happening to us. That life is acting on us. We view our life as, as a passive event that we have little to no control over. But Jesus said, that's not how it works. Here's how it works. You are building your life. So I've either got good news or bad news for you this morning. Your life is probably constructed exactly the way you built it. And man, that is hard to hear. You say, but I've, I've had some things. Have, I, I get it. We're going to talk about those in a moment. But can I tell you this, you, you are actually going to build pieces of your life today, today. See, some of you are here and you'll hear this sermon and you'll, you'll go home today and you'll act on it and you'll make changes to your life. You'll make adjustments to your attitudes. You will grow closer to God. You'll develop and be more like Jesus. You'll evaluate your life and you'll say, what needs to change in my life? And then there are some here today that'll hear this sermon and you'll go home and you'll eat lunch and you'll wonder why things aren't working out in your life. I mean, there's some that you'll hear me today. I mean, you'll go home You'll talk to your husband, you'll talk to your wife, you'll talk to your kids, you'll get along with God, and you'll say, I've got to make some changes. I've got to build better. I've got to get my life wrapped around the Word of God. And in repentance, you'll fall on your knees and you'll be like, Lord, I've got to get this better. And then there's some today that you've heard every word the other person said, but you'll go home and do absolutely nothing about it. Hear me this morning, you are the architect and builder of your life. Here's what Jesus said. Bo both persons, Jesus said this, verse 24, like a wise man who built. Verse 26, like a foolish man who built. You are building 
your life. I am building my life. Day by day of my life, I am building my life. I am building my marriage. I am building my family. I am building my future. I am building my spiritual life. You're building, I'm building. We are all building our own lives. And sometimes we think life is just happening to us, but it's not. We're building. And I know what the problem is. We tend to dream when we ought to build. Right? That's, that, that's a lot of our issues is we, we dream instead of building. And we dream and hope and wish for a good life when here's what Jesus said, that if you want to have a great life, don't dream about it. Just dig in and start building your life. I saw, I saw this the other day. It was, a, it was a world map of dreams, the most common dream in every country. What, what do you think you dream about? So there was this company in England uh, called Morning.UK, and, and they wanted to know what the uh, most common dream in every country was. So they analyzed Google data. And so they, in every country, they did this. Uh, they, they did search terms, uh, what people are searching for. What is the most commonly Google search dream in every country? Does he have any idea what the most common dream is in the majority of the world? You probably don't know. In one third of the nations of the world, the most common dreams is about snakes. Anybody dream about snakes regularly? Not too many, because that's not the one in America. The one in America, uh, and you can see, you, you can't see, you can't read it, but if you see red, and you'll notice it's mostly in industrialized nations, mostly. The most common dream in America is you dream of your teeth falling out. Yeah, it's number one in 17 countries, mostly in the north. Your teeth falling out. Here, here's what they said about your, your teeth falling out. Uh, they were significantly more anxious and depressed, talking about those nations, had lower ego strength, were less satisfied with their lives, felt they had less control over their lives, and felt helpless more often than control subjects who dreamed of flight. Flight was another big dream in all that. So the majority, uh, the biggest dream in America is apparently your teeth falling out. The biggest dream in the world is your about snakes. And I say all that to say this. If you leave your life up to dreams, it's going to be about false teeth and snakes. That's the bottom line. False teeth and snakes. Don't dream. Build. I mean, if I told you that your life has been built one brick at a time by you, what would you say? You say, but preacher, I had a rough childhood. I get it. I get it. I really do. But I'd say overcome it and build something different. You say, but I've had so many bad things happen to me. Listen, we all have. No one is without problems and difficulties. Build something you say, but I can't do, uh, uh, I can't be what whoever is. I haven't had those opportunities in life. Listen to me. You're not building their life. You're building your life. Build yours. You say, but I've got a mess right now. I've made mistakes and bad decisions. I get it. It's time to remodel and rebuild. Here's the bottom line I'm hearing this morning. You can make excuses or you can build. And Jesus said, build. You have to be doing something. Don't complain. Build your life. I mean, let's be honest. 
Think, what, what kind of life have you built? Take a moment and reflect. What kind of life have you built? What kind of life do you want to build? The difference between what you want and where you are is, a, is you uh, building that life. You are building those lives. Rip out those bad bricks in your life. Tear out that bound, bad foundation and rebuild it according to the Word of God. Marriage not what you want it to be. Start building it today. You can absolutely turn it around. Your spiritual life not what you want it to be. Start building today. Your financial life not where you want it to be. Start building today. Your career, your God life, your family life, build it. You. Are building your life. Second thing Jesus told us in this, well, number two was this that the building material matters. Jesus was not giving a rah rah, go out there and do the best you can speech. He wasn't saying, go listen to Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, or an Instagram influencer. I'm not mad at any of those. That's just not what Jesus was saying. I, I love Zig, Zig-, Zig Ziglar. Had a book that turned my life around. I read See You at the Top when I was a teenager and really changed my whole outlook and attitude about life. I love it. God can use those books in your life, but God never told you to build your life on motivational speakers. So how am I supposed to build my life? Well, he tells us in both those verses. Here's what he said, verse 24. And builds our life on these words of mine. Verse 26. Builds their life on these words of mine. If you want to rebuild or build your life, there's only one way to build a life of success that will last, and it's around this book, the Bible, the Word of God. And here's where we take a bad detour. We want to build better, but we don't want to build it God's way. All of us, I'll put me in the camera, all of us want to have a better life. All of us probably dreamed of more than where we are today. All of us probably dreamed of something bigger. Even if you just had the dream yesterday, we probably all did it. But here's the deal. We, we generally have the dream and then we go out and try to build a way other than God's way. But can I tell you that the only way that will ultimately last is when we build our lives around the word of God. And the problem with that is, is we just don't believe the Bible anymore you can't read that chart but they do this pew research does this i think every year gallup does it rather america's view of the bible 49 percent of america since 1980 before 1980 has held pretty steady that they believe that green line they believe that uh the bible is inspired by god but you can't take it literally right and, and then and then there's a red line on here uh, or, or rather, there's a blue line down here at the bottom, and that's the people who believe it's fables, moral precepts, and nothing but the word of man. And here's what you're going to notice. In 1980-ish, that was around 15% of America, and now it's nearly doubled to 29%. Then if you, you can see this dotted line up here, if you can't, just follow on with me. That's the percentage of people who actually believe the word of God needs to be taken literally, and it was written by God. Back in the 1980s, it was 40%, and today it's... 20%. Now, can I tell you something about this? Only two out of a 10 Americans believe this book is the literal, literal word of God and should be lived by. Two out of 10. More than two out of 10 are in church every Sunday. So that tells me that people who are sitting in our pews don't even believe 
that this Bible is the literal word of God and should be believed. Hear me, if we don't have this book, we don't have anything to go on. And so that means we have people in our pews who think they know better than the Bible does. Hear me, it's up to you. If you want to build a great life, the building material matters, and you can absolutely 100% depend on this book. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, if it says don't do it, don't do it, and your life will be more blessed. You say, but wait, wait, I want to do it. I get it. I get it. There's some don'ts in here that are wants for me, right? There's some don'ts in here that is a want for me, but hear me, if you... Stay by this book. Your life will be better. You build a great life. If this book says do, then get to it. You say, well, it's antiquated. No, it speaks right to today in the situation you're in. That is how you build your life. Don't let sermons go in one ear and out the other. Don't let your Bible reading go in one ear and out the other. Don't let studying the Bible, building your life, don't apply it to somebody else, apply it in your life. It's the foolish that ignore the Word of God. The building material matters. Number three, I got to preach faster. Number three, here's what Jesus said. Hardship hits every home notice what jesus said about the wise and the foolish builder sometimes we look at successful people the way god would define that and we think well they just had it easier than me but notice what jesus said in verse 25 and 27 wise man foolish man the rain fell the rivers rose the winds blew and pounded that house verse 27 the foolish man the rain fell the rivers rose the winds blew pounded the house the exact same thing was said about both places What's the difference between a wise and a foolish builder, a wise life and a foolish life, a successful life and unsuccessful life? It all comes out in when things happen to you. Do you know this? Here's the stark reality of this, that it takes a minute for you to understand maybe what I'm trying to say here. Both got the house built. Like the foolish man building on the sand, the house actually got built. The life got built. It was a standing house. Well, what's the difference? Because both those houses look the same, except one of them may have a, uh, what did that one house have? One, one may have a, you know, in-house disco pad, and the other one does not. I sounded old when I said disco pad, didn't I? Uh, nightclub, nightclub. I was trying to think of the nightclub, nightclub. You can tell by the way I do my walk. All right, so nightclub, <laughs> nightclub. Sorry, I aged myself. Um, um, uh, <laughs> I promise you that is not in my notes. Um, What's the difference between a wise and foolish builder? Can can I say something about life? Hear me. No matter who you are, problems come. The rain falls. No matter who you are, disaster comes. The rivers rise. No matter who you come, who you are, the winds blow. Things change and shift and catch you off guard. Hear me this morning. Your life is going to get pounded by the world, battered by the world, bombed by the world. There's no difference in life when it comes to trouble that's going to come your way. Now, the difference in life is self-manufactured trouble. We definitely have that. You can manufacture your own trouble. That is not even what God's talking about when he's talking about a storm. God is talking about those natural things that happen to all of us. Hardship is going to hit every home. So what's the good of knowing Jesus and building your life on the word? If hardship's coming to all of us, 
What good is it knowing Jesus? Well, he told you, verses 25 and 27. Here's what he said. The wise man, it didn't collapse because his foundation was on the rock. Verse 27, the foolish man, and it collapsed. And it collapsed with a great crash. The difference is between a collapsed house and a standing house. Both got built. And by the way, both were able to survive non-storm life. But storms are going to hit both lives. Disaster is going to hit both lives. Hardship is going to hit both lives. And one will fall apart and one will not. I, I, my youngest grandson, I didn't know he was going to do it. I've had this up here for a while. Uh, my youngest grandson went to Waffle House yesterday. He got, got waffles at Waffle House for the first time. He's a fan. He's a fan. Um, uh, did you know that if your Waffle House is closed, you should probably run? I, I didn't know this. There, Waffle Houses are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But did you know FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management uh, Association, unofficially determines the severity of a natural disaster based on whether Waffle Houses are open or not? I am not kidding. They call it the Waffle House Index. It was coined by former FEMA administrator Craig Fugate of the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Not, uh, so agency. It's used by FEMA to determine the severity of the disaster. And here's what Craig Fugate said. If your Waffle House is closed, run for the hills. Something bad is about to happen. You know what? If your life isn't built on the Word of God, you should probably run. We'll call it the Bible index. Because it's not if, but when hardship is coming. And the success of your life will be determined by the foundation of your life. Hardship is coming, so to prepare. You know when it's too late to prepare? When disaster is already on you. You can react, but you can't prepare. Get your life prepared. Build it on this book before the storms hit your life. Number four. I'm, I'm don't even need to preach this. Here's what Jesus was saying if I was going to sum it all up. Number four, hear and steer your life to find success. Let me just quit by summing it up. Success in life is really not hard. Jesus summed it up by this way. Hear the word of God, steer your life accordingly. That's it. Hear the word of God, steer your life accordingly. Preacher, how do I turn this mess of a life I've got around? Hear the word of God, steer your life accordingly. How do I build on this foundation I have? It's not hard. Hear the word of God, steer your life accordingly. How do I make my life? Preacher, my life's good. How do I make it better? It's all the same. Hear the word of God, steer your life accordingly. Close your Bibles and stand with me. I'm finished. I don't, I don't know if you know it, but countries all around the world are shooting rockets up into space on a regular basis. 
And there's a lot of rockets and satellites in the air. Like in the, I mean, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of rockets and satellites are circling the earth. And so somebody just did a study and they said this, there is a 10% chance that in the next decade, people are going to die when a rocket falls out of space and lands on them or their house. In a study entitled Unnecessary Risk Created by Uncontrolled Rocket Entries, it was a page turner. Dr. Michael Byers of the University of British Columbia said that we need to take action before rockets start falling out of the sky and killing people. In in, in other words, in other words, you may die when something falls from space and lands on your house. You know what? There's nothing you can do about that. If a rocket lands on me right now, I'm dead. Nothing I can do about it. You know what you can do? You can know for sure some kind of storm is coming your way. Some kind of problem, hardship is coming your way. So prepare your life for whatever it is. Whether it's a rocket falling out of space or it's a kid getting in trouble. Whether it's losing your job or going to the doctor and hearing bad news. Prepare your life for whatever storm comes your way. Oh, there's so much preaching I want to do this morning. such a great verse, but hear me. Things may be going okay in the sunshine, but a storm is coming. You're building your life, your future. You can change it. The building material matters. It's not what you think. It's not what daytime TV says. It's the Word of God. Because you know hardships are going to hit every home. And all you got to do is hear and steer. And you'll find success. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're watching online, Jeremy has a word for you this morning. You listen to him. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. And I remember the song from being a kid. The, you remember the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The truth is we're building our lives. And what foundation we're building it on, man, that determines uh, the trajectory of our life for all eternity. And, um, and so it's important for us to think about, hey, what am I doing? How am I building my life? And um, the foundation is a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've never uh, started that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never made Him the Lord and Savior of your life. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and your sin separates you from God. There's nothing you can do to fix that separation. And God knew about the separation. and He didn't like the separation. He loved us so much, He fixed the separation with the cross by sending Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin. Uh, the gap was bridged. And, um, and we can begin a relationship with Jesus by being willing to accept the gift of salvation that He offers. So we got to understand we're a sinner. we got to believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and on the third day He rose again. And then third, we have to confess Him as the Lord and Savior of our life. It's not enough just to believe in your heart. You must confess it with your mouth according to Romans 10 verse 9 and 10. 
If God's spoken to your heart and you need to give your heart and life to Christ this morning, tell God this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I, I know that there's nothing I can do to fix my problem with sin. But you loved me to the point that you sent your only son to die on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe that he died, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again. And right now, I confess uh, Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, I want to ask you to do something. Pull out your phone and just text your name to 423-800-1871. That's 423-800-1871. That will come to uh, my cell phone and um, I'd love to connect with you um, and help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. Hey, I've enjoyed our time together this morning. Um, I hope that you have a great week. I hope this has been a great start to your week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.